This sermon was recorded at Grace City Church's Sunday morning service. Thanks for engaging with us online, and we pray that this sermon greatly encourages your faith and walk with God. Good. Well, uh, we're going to continue as we're looking at um, Jesus fulfilling, fulfilling um, prophecy and scripture, and we're going to look at a psalm uh, today, which is Psalm 72. And uh, it's a psalm written by Solomon uh, when Israel was at its height, really, uh, as an empire. And um, it had been David had obviously established Israel as a nation following God and uh, had then uh, handed over to Solomon. And so let's read the psalm and then we're going to have a look at it. So Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. What an amazing psalm. Uh, and as I said, written uh, by Solomon in his reign, and it's talking about uh, his reign, about a king's reign, that it would be peaceful and prosperous, and where foreign rulers and kings would come and bring tributes uh, to the king from all over the world. And uh, verses 8 uh, to 10 describe uh, the Hebrew known world at that time. It talks about uh, the river, which was the Euphrates, and Tarshish, which was in Spain, uh, and Sheba and Seba, they were modern-day Yemen and Sudan. It's a kind of, it's talking about the whole known world as, a, as, a, as it was then, to the ends of the world, uh, that um, this king and kingdom would be known. And this king's reign would be marked by care for the poor and needy, would be long and successful, and it would fulfill God's promise to Abraham 
which we see in Genesis 12, that Israel will be blessed and become a blessing to the nations. So the Israelites were to pray this prayer uh, for King Solomon. Uh, that's, that's who they were praying it for. They were, they were to pray that his reign would look like this. And in many ways, actually, Solomon's reign did look like that. Uh, he maintained justice. He maintained righteousness. And Israel was extremely prosperous at that time. We read a description in 1 Kings 10. It says this, it says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons and spices and horses and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. That's a lot of silver if it was as common as stones. So his reign actually looked a lot like this psalm. But at the same time, when we read it, we see it's also impossible for it to only apply to Solomon. For example, verse 5 says, May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. Well, Solomon, as great as he was, he wasn't going to live that long, was he? And while a lot of this did happen in his reign, ultimately, as a human king, he fell short. And so, midway through his reign, he started worshipping idols, and as a result, he started, Israel started being attacked by the Edomites and raiding parties started coming into Israel. And eventually, Israel ended up in civil war and the kingdom split after Solomon into two, the north and the south. So Solomon was not the ultimate answer to these prayers. And it should be no surprise that a better king was yet to come. A better king was yet to come. And we know that king because his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can actually fulfill everything in the psalm. It's only God's kingdom that ultimately looks like this kingdom that the psalm describes. Nowhere else can we find perfect justice, can we find the poor uh, and afflicted, defended, and saved from their plight, where we see the oppressor dealt with. No one else brings us real peace. He doesn't leave us, but stays with us forever and brings real peace and prosperity. And Jesus actually made this link uh, between Solomon's failure and his own perfection when he told the Jews that one greater than Solomon is here. But he said, one greater then Solomon is here. As great as Solomon's kingdom looked, the epitome really for Israel, more than it's ever been, more than today, more than it's ever been, the absolute height that this earthly kingdom could produce was nothing compared to God's kingdom and to Jesus. One much greater than Solomon is here. And as we you know, look for fulfillment, um, 
we find it only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus that we find this peace and fulfillment. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it begs the question then for us, is He the most important person in your life? Is He the one that you want a relationship with more than anyone else? Without Jesus, would uh, our lives continue on as normal or would they collapse in a heap? I think those are good questions for us to be asking. In this psalm, we see it lived out straight after Jesus' birth, before he'd done anything, actually, while he was still a baby, before he'd spoken wise words. Many people read the Bible, think it's full of wise words, or he was a great man. But before he'd done anything great or said anything great, before anyone really, other than a few people, knew who he really was, right back there as a baby, we see actually some kings coming and bringing him gifts. As it says there in our psalm in verse 10, that many gifts would be brought to this, ki to this king from kings all over the world. And so we know the story of the wise men or kings um, however many there are, three plus, however many we don't know, uh, but they came. They came right there at the start because God declared right from His birth, this is the true King who will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. God declares right there as He was a baby that this is the one who will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. I don't know about you, but when, if you've, I know there's a mown fields, but when you mow the lawn and it looks so good, and then there's a bit of rain, and you get that fresh smell, it's just amazing. I love that. It's just that, it's just an amazing smell. And that's actually what Jesus is like and should be like to you and I. He's like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth, where the earth to live and to grow and to move forward needs the rain. Well, actually, Jesus is and should be like that to us. Right there at the beginning, God declares He is the one who will rule from sea to sea and will deliver the needy, the weak, and those who have no one to help. And that was us. Every single one of us was that. We were weak. We were needy. We had no one to help. We were lost. We were at Satan's mercy, at the world's mercy, tossed this way and that way with no way of getting to God. I've been listening to some old hymns recently in the car and singing away at full volume as I drive, and one of them I've been loving is, And Can It Be? And the one verse describes this for us. It says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. And that's where we, we were. There was no hope. We were imprisoned. And actually, the whole world was for us and still is in night, 
we think about that, actually, as beautiful as the world seems now, and we love the flowers in our garden, we love the bush, we love the ocean, but it's under the fall. It's, it's in nature's night. One day, we can see it in daylight, the real thing that God has created, with no death, with no corruption. And the psalm, the hymn rather, continues. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. We can sing, I rose, went forth. Okay, I won't. That'll put everybody off. <laughs> it's a great hymn. But that's what happened. Suddenly, in the darkness... Jesus broke through. There was light. He brought light into the dungeon. And our chains fell off. There was freedom. We've been set free because of Jesus, because of who He is, because of what He's done. We've been set free to know Him. We've been set free to declare who He is. And so when we discover who He is, and when He comes alive to us like that, there's only one option, and that's to fall on our knees and to passionately and reverently declare our worship to Him, laying all our gifts at His feet. And that's what these kings did when they saw the baby Jesus. Matthew 2, verse 11 tells us, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped Him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How much more then should we worship? We who actually have a relationship with this risen king, Jesus. They came to a baby. But we know Jesus Christ. We know him. The challenge for me, for us today, is this. How extravagant is our worship of Jesus. And I don't mean how loudly you sang this morning during our worship time or whether you raised your hands or whatever you did, but rather how extravagantly do our lives day to day shout, Jesus is my King and I will worship Him. How extravagantly do our lives shout that out? And the Psalm 72 it ends, praising God, verses 18 and 19. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, the, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Well, the first step to passionately worshiping Jesus is encountering Him. We encounter Him when we are saved when we give our lives to Him, when we make that commitment, we encounter Him. And we're meant to go on encountering Him. Knowing Him. It's actually what we're all about. It's what we're going to be about for all eternity. It's about knowing Jesus. We need to adjust our thinking again. I need to do it regularly. What is my life about? It's about knowing Jesus. Yes, the work I do is important. Yes, our families are important. 
All these things can be meaningful, important. God's put them in our lives. But actually our life, the most important thing is are we encountering the risen King, Jesus? We've been drawn right into His presence. And I believe that today, even this morning, there's a fresh invitation for us. For every single one of us. And so often we can discount ourselves. Say, well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm just in the background. My life, I'm just cruising along. But actually, this is an invitation for every single one of us. And it's to encounter Jesus, to know Him, being like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. I believe that's the invitation to us this morning. No matter where your life's at, whether your house is turned upside down like Jeff and Anne as they prepare to go, whether there are difficult things happening, whether it's a wonderful time in your life, the invitation is the same to every single one of us. Encounter Jesus. Know Him like rain poured out. So how do we respond to this invitation? Well, I think we need to do like the kings did when, when they saw the star. The kings... The wise men, I want to give you just briefly five things that they did. Firstly, they were looking for and open to the invitation. They were, they were waiting. They knew something was going to happen. And the star appeared. The star that wasn't normally there appeared. And they were open to the invitation. The star was their invitation. That's what was going to lead them forward. And they were open to it. Secondly, they actively responded to the invitation. So they didn't just say, oh, there's a star. That's a new star. That star, I think, means something. That star is actually really important. There's a whole lot of stuff that's going to happen because that star has appeared. Great, I'll carry on with lunch. They actively responded to the invitation. The star was their invitation. What did they do? Well, they left their kingdoms. They left uh, whatever it is they were doing. They dropped it all. They followed the star. They didn't know where they were going. They weren't quite sure what the outcome was going to be, what was going to happen next, but they responded actively to the invitation. Thirdly, they believed. They believed actually they were going to meet the king of all kings. That's what the star meant to them. The king of all kings, the one above all, was going to be born. They didn't understand it, I'm sure, fully. They couldn't quite comprehend it all. How's it going to work out? But they believed. They believed. They said, yes, this invitation, I believe, actually, there's something to be found at the end of this invitation. Fourthly, they were persistent. They did a long journey. We know part of their journey, obviously, they got to Jerusalem and they asked Herod, do you know where this baby is going to be born? And he asked um, the Jewish leaders. They said, well, as we were looking at last week, Micah tells us he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And they didn't stay in Jerusalem. They then followed on. So they got help. They were persistent. They pressed through, finding, wanting to get to the end result of this invitation. And fifthly, they humbled themselves in Jesus' presence. They bowed down. They worshipped. They brought gifts. Because they believed, they brought gifts. They, 
they were prepared. Because they believed that they were going to meet the king of kings, they bought these expensive gifts, the most precious things they could, and then humbly gave them to Jesus, bowing down at his feet. And so church, it needs to be our response, these five things. We need to respond like that right now, I believe, as we're going to come back to worship in a moment. If we respond in this way, every single one of us, if we open, we active, we believe, we persistent, we come humbly, I believe we will know Jesus coming like rain on each one of us, coming to you, wanting to meet with you, wanting you to know him more opening up your eyes further. You might have been a Christian for 50 years, 60 years. There's more of Jesus to discover this morning. You might have been a Christian for a week. It doesn't matter. There's, there's more. And as we come in this way, we find that He's like rain to us, refreshing. We find that joy comes into our lives, that peace comes into our lives. The circumstances outside that door may not change, but we are changed because we've met with Jesus. And not just this morning, but ongoing. And at this time, especially, as we remember Jesus coming for us, how are we going to respond, church? Let's respond to his invitation in this way. Thank you for listening to this sermon. To engage with Grace City Church further, please check out our website, gracecitychurch.net, where you can find links to our socials. Or come visit us in person. All are welcome. God bless.